Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. One of the things uh, that I love is that we serve a generous God. We serve a generous God. And this morning is a significant day. Right, it's a day when we come together and we do something as a corporate group that as we've been building into it, that we're believing that will bring transformation, right? Transformation in our lives. And I, I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about the joy of giving, right? If you go with me this morning, I, I'm excited because, oh man, I'm going to tell you a little bit of our story. It's going to be cool. Uh, but have you ever had the capacity to do something generous for somebody else, right? Maybe you've bought a coffee. Uh, maybe you've helped someone else in the supermarket. Uh, maybe uh, you've been able to give someone something when they've needed it, right? Uh, one of the, uh, like, often some of the most generous people I know are the people that don't have very much, and that challenges me, right? Because <laughs> there's something uh, in, in what they've got that they recognize, man, actually, I don't have much, but what I do have, I can share, which is incredibly powerful. Have you ever made a generous plan, Right? Any like generous plans? One of uh, in, in the early early days of Caleb and I dating, right? We made this plan, and it's probably uh, one of my most enjoyable dates that we went on, right? So we had this idea. It's pretty cute. It was fun. Uh, what we did is we decided that we would go to the supermarket and we would buy blocks of chocolate and we would write little notes on the chocolate, like on a piece of paper, and stick them to the chocolate. And then we would sneak around to people's houses and like stick them in their letterbox, right? It was us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you were one of the people who got one of those. But it was fun, right? It was like this little plan. It felt a little bit sneaky. You know, like you had to kind of like do it in the cover of darkness. And so you'd like, you know, like you work out, you could park a bit down the street, then you shove it in the letterbox and keep running, you know, like, yeah. You know, people would think, what are you doing? It's a bit concerning. You start to get those looks, right? Often when we think, when we've got more money, that we'll find time and we'll be able to do more generous things. I wanted to share with you this morning that uh, something that's been burning in my heart, and actually in preparing this, I recognize that God's been building something in me over the years that I wanted to talk to you about this morning. And I want to go, if you go with me to Proverbs 11, verse 24 and 25, it says this in the message. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. As we come to Miracle Offering, we're acutely aware of the feelings and the experiences of people have around giving and generosity. Some of us have had good teaching and built faith as they've given in offerings and trusted God with their resources for others Our experience of giving may have been one of coercion or guilt. Maybe you've stepped out in faith and have given and have found yourself in a place of debt, not necessarily because of bad decisions, but possibly because of things outside of your control. See, we're really aware of not wanting to create an environment where people feel coerced into giving, so we can shy away from speaking about it. However, the more I've been thinking about it, 
the more I've realized that we're robbing each other of the joy of giving and the understanding of the grace gift of God, of generosity, if we don't speak about it. So this morning, I wanted to go there with you. I want to focus on uh, on the second letter of Paul that he writes to the Corinthians. And in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 8, Paul shares a story to the Corinthians about uh, their smaller sister churches in the area of Macedonia. Uh, And I wanted to uh, turn to 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1 to 5 in the NLT. It says this, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectation. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. See, the grace of God that Paul was referring to, the grace of giving, the gracious inclination to give, had fallen upon the Macedonian churches. This grace flowed from the primary source of grace, the realization that that Jesus had given them new life, that they had been given grace, that in the death and resurrection of Jesus, that they were free, that they were forgiven, that they had accepted salvation and that had changed something in their lives. See, the riches of God's grace had been poured out on them, and then they, in turn, poured out what they had on others. Out of their difficult circumstances, their joy overflowed in generosity. See, Paul doesn't specifically refer to the amount that they gave, but their joy in giving. The riches that welled over to others wasn't the money, but the joy in what God had done for them. The grace of giving is what this passage is about. The word grace, it occurs eight times in chapters eight and nine. In fact, grace occurs five times in chapters eight, verse one to nine. See, the sense is that Paul, seeing their extreme poverty, was reticent to take their gift because he knew of their deprivation and their plight. But the people of Macedonia wouldn't be denied. Says this entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privileges of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. The Macedonians recognized the incredible joy that came without working this grace of generosity. See, such is the grace of giving. It's not dictated by ability or wealth, it's actually nothing to do with being well off, it's willing. It views giving as a privilege, and it's joyously enthusiastic. Verse 5 says this, They exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. See, the root of this grace gift of generosity was in their response to God. Firstly, with the giving of their lives to God's service, and then recognizing that their resources were a part of that. If you ever think for a moment, I, I've been wondering this sort, how, how did they exceed Paul's expectations? Right at the start, it says, exceeded Paul's expectations. They didn't have a lot to share. 
right? They didn't have very much. He talks about that, the fact that they're they're, uh, struggling. And in order to exceed his expectations, I think it would have taken many of them choosing to join together, bringing what they had. Paul continues by encouraging them to develop this gift of generosity. In verse 6, we read this. So we urge Titus, just as he had made a beginning, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in love, we have ki- the, in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. See, earlier, Paul had encouraged Titus, who'd gone to to visit the Corinthians, to try and bring the Corinthians to completion, to maturity in this area of giving. They had pledged in some given in the previous year, but he wanted them to continue to be generous. The Corinthians were a gifted group. Many had faith or speech or knowledge or earnestness or love, but they did not excel in this act of grace, giving. Despite all of their good qualities, they were incomplete, and Paul wanted them to become mature in their faith. Miracle offering is a chance for us to trust God with our financial resource, to choose to partner with him with what he's doing through his body. There's an invitation and an opportunity for each of us to join together in this act of worship, no matter how much we have. See, in generosity, we follow God's example, the most generous act of all time, the fact that God gives his only son for us. He's generous with forgiveness. We fall short, right? And still he chooses to forgive us. He gives peace. He gives joy that overflows. He comforts the brokenhearted. See, when we think of generosity, we can often think only of financial giving. We think, uh, if we think of the different ways that God meets our needs, it's really because we receive some financial blessing, a check in the mail, an unexpected bonus. Often, God's use, uses, often God uses believers to meet the needs of each other, to provide a meal when someone has a baby or is grieving, overwhelmed, to share the skills that we have to inspire other people, to pray for healing or to provide equipment for somebody in need. See, as the body of Christ, we've each got different gifts and in a different amount of gifting. We're made unique, so there's no point us comparing ourselves to each other. Rather, as believers and followers of Jesus, we have responsibility, right, to take the fundamental resource that we have, which is time, and combine this with the God-given gifts that we have, and to use this for the glory of God. Generosity can be expressed in many ways. For example, encouragement. You know, you're around that person, and there's just something that you leave that conversation, you just leave them and it's like, man, you just feel built up. I've, I've worked with people like that before and it's like this infectious gift that they have for encouragement. Now, we can all be encouraging, right? It's not just those people who are particularly gifted in their area, but encouragement is an incredible way to be generous. 
generous with our words. Often we think it, right, in our head. We think that person's awesome, and then you kind of realize that they don't realize that, right? <laughs> that nobody, you know, often we don't know. We can pass on a skill. We can help someone to shift house, to rebuild and strengthen their relationship. Maybe we do some, uh, some time with them. So if we're gifted with strength or we're gifted with time, there's opportunities for us to be generous. Visiting sick or elderly people. Opening our home. Babysitting. It's a good one. Great place to start, right? <laughs> Such a blessing. Making someone a meal. Right, sometimes we think generosity is this massive thing. Generosity is an everyday part of life. A voluntary act that puts someone else's need ahead of our own is generous. See, I want, I want to make it a little, little messy for a second, right? Our generosity potential is the time God has given me multiplied by the blessings and the gifts that I've received. Right? All of us have the potential to be generous. All of us have an opportunity to be generous. For me, growing up, I got to see generosity in many areas of my life. My mum and dad were really intentionally generous with their time, and especially with their expertise. My dad was an accountant, and he'd always be meeting with people, right? Someone setting up a business, helping someone with their accounts, whatever it was. Even though he wasn't a Christian, uh, and he didn't attend church. He would do the church's accounts each year because he wanted to do it as a way to bless something that was important to my mum. My mum's love language is gift giving, which is awesome. Right? I've benefited a lot from this amazing gift. Right? She's always finding stuff. She's like, yeah, I've actually had to say to her, okay, we've got so many things. It's really lovely. But you know, that, that flows out of her, right? Find other people to be generous with those things that you've got. Because there's so much. She, she's always thinking of someone, someone in need, something that she can do. Some, she sees something, she's like, I knew that you'd like that thing. And that just flows naturally from who she is. See, it was a natural part of life, and even though they didn't have a full biblical understanding of tithing and giving, they always looked to find ways to bless people with what they had. They really encouraged us as kids to see the gifts that we had, not just as a way uh, to make ourselves successful, but as a means to bless other people. I remember as a child, I'd often go, uh, we had a, a gentleman in our church, and, uh, and I'd often go to his house and just help him with simple things. He couldn't do uh, lots of things, and so, you know, just simple things like vacuuming his floor or, or putting away the dishes and those kind of things uh, was stuff that I could do, uh, or babysitting people in our church so that they could attend marriage courses and e-groups and things like that. See, what was amazing for me was that I started to experience the joy of giving, and realized how something really simple could make a really big difference to other people. As time went on, my faith grew. I started to feel the prompting of God to step out uh, in areas of giving. As a student, I didn't necessarily have much money, but I did have time. I could use it to help someone study for a paper I'd already taken or to babysit for a family I knew. I remember when I first came to Christchurch and joined Equippers, which was about 40 people at the time, and feeling God call me to be planted. 
I remember a miracle offering message where I heard the verse about where your treasure is, there your heart is also. For me, there was this realization that in order to have my heart fully into the place that God was calling me, it was going to take me stepping out in faith with my resources. This is a big step for me, and I still remember sitting at the end of the service with my pledge form and asking God what he wanted me to give. We're in the town hall. I can remember the exact spot right where I was sitting. I felt such excitement when I heard God and respond with a number, and I wrote it on the piece of paper. See, this was really the start of a journey with financial giving where I learned about tithing and starting to trust God with all of my resources. What was incredible is that as time continued, I'd feel the prompting from the Holy Spirit to step out in different ways. I had a beautiful friend who had been leading the worship team, and she'd had a baby, uh, and he'd grown up a little bit, and uh, she wanted to rejoin the team, but because uh, they didn't have family in Christchurch, and they didn't have anyone to babysit for him, uh, and I recognized the blessing for her, but also for the church with her leading the team. So I thought, oh, I definitely can't join the worship team myself. Uh, so the thing I can do, right, is offer to babysit. So each Wednesday night for a couple of years, uh, that she, I did it so that she could lead the team again. It was really humbling for me to see how God used her during that time to lead the team and recognizing that I could be a part of helping to make that happen. I remember a moment at the supermarket where this person was in that terrible situation where their card declined. And I felt that prompting to pay for their, for their groceries. You know, so in that moment, you're really hoping that it's going to go smoothly, right? So you're just going to kind of be like, oh, yeah, I'll pay for those, you know, like discreetly, right? That's what you're kind of hoping for. And uh, trying to do this and without too much fuss. And then the checkout operator just got really confused and didn't understand and thought I was trying to buy her groceries for myself. And, and so then he calls over the supervisor and I was like, oh man, this is really embarrassing. I was like trying to really clearly explain, no, I was just trying to pay for her groceries. I'm going to buy my own groceries, you know, like we're not having her groceries. You know, sometimes generosity is messy, <laughs> right? It's awkward. There's that moment where we try to do it sneakily, and then, yeah, that, like, it doesn't work. But, but that's the joy of generosity. What I discovered is that the more you do it, the more you see opportunities to be generous. For Caleb and I, in our married life, we felt God ask us to give many times. Lots of those have been in situations like miracle offering, but then we've also felt prompted by a need or just seen an opportunity to be generous. In our first year of marriage, we felt God uh, tell us that he wanted to set a foundation for our marriage and giving. It was kind of like a first fruits year, right? The first year of our marriage. To go on a journey of understanding and operating in the grace gift of giving. See, we'd been through a season where we felt incredibly grateful, right? We were stoked to have found each other. You know, like there's such a joy when you're first married and you're like, I'm married to them. It's awesome. Right? And then we've been blessed. Man, oh, your wedding, like gifts, like you come home from your honeymoon, just like overwhelmed by the number of gifts, right? Like such an incredibly humbling feeling that all these people come all this way to celebrate you, right? So for us, it was this amazing thing. Our parents had blessed us with the cost of our, mar- uh, of our wedding. And 
See, for us, gratefulness and generosity are intrinsically linked. Gratitude overflows in generosity, and generosity reminds us what we have to be grateful for. I remember the first offering, uh, miracle offering that came since we'd been married, and both of us prayed independently and felt prompted to give a number that was way outside what we had previously given before. See, we believed and we had a conviction that we'd heard from God. So we took a deep breath and we stepped out in faith. In choosing to give, it was important to recognize that there would mean that there would be lots of things that we were giving up. See, we got married at the peak of the housing shortage in Christchurch, post-earthquake, and we were living in a house that we didn't really like. I don't know, many of the people who came to our house can testify. It was not that lovely, right? It was like, we had a house, which was nice, <laughs> a place to be. But see, giving to Miracle Offering, for us, was giving away the money that we were saving for a house deposit. And committing our pledge, it meant that we were paying more each week from the offering than we were for our rent. See, I don't tell you that to be proud, but to say that our testimony is that as we've stepped out in faith and trusted God, we've experienced incredible joy and seen Him move powerfully on our behalf. We didn't give some kind of security provision, but as a way of recognizing incredible grace that we'd received recognizing that he was inviting us into this grace of generosity. As time went on, we continued to take opportunities to be generous. In any offering, we would try and give something. Not always large amounts, but always trying to give something. We believe that God's entrusted us with resource, and he's inviting us to be a conduit of his blessing to other people. In writing this message over the week and remembering the opportunities we've had to be generous, I've, I've found myself in tears. Not, not over the grief <laughs> of what we've given away, right? but overwhelmed with the goodness of God. Maybe if the worship team guys could come down. He's trusted us with enough resources that we've been able to do things to help others. One testimony uh, situation that's really struck me from a time was when I was leading youth. And initially, when, uh, when we started youth, I hadn't immediately been in a super passionate, a really excited leader of the youth, right? What had happened, essentially, was that I worked with a guy called Moss, and Moss was leading the worship team, uh, sorry, the uh, youth. Uh, and, uh, and he uh, he had guy leaders, he had great leaders who were leading youth, and they only had girls coming. So this is a really awkward situation because I had all these boys leading it and they had all girls. And so I worked with Moss and so Moss was telling me and he's like, okay, so maybe you could come and lead a youth as well because it would really help us out. This is kind of a tricky situation. And so I got involved. And a little while in, I met this 11-year-old girl who was too young for youth, but she came because her sister was there. She was supposed to be babysitting her. So she came to youth together. See, over time, they got involved in youth and started coming to church. Unfortunately, in a series of events, the older sister ended up moving away. By this time, this girl was at intermediate, and she absolutely loved church. She would always be keen to come early and be part of picking, so I started picking her up. 
Initially, it was just her. But she had this incredible ability to gather people. So over time, it became a car full of kids. Often, I remember going to their house, still in bed, uh, waking them up, right, and waiting as they raced to get ready, like grabbing their stuff, grabbing their breakfast on the way out. I remember this one night, she telling me, she didn't want to go home from church because she never wanted Sundays to end. She felt so loved and included by the people in this church. And, and returning home, her life just couldn't compare. See, life wasn't always easy for her. And she got older, she drifted away from church a bit. But for four years, every Sunday, I got an opportunity to collect her and bring her. It was challenging, right, when she drifted away. But about two years ago, I remember Tico saying to me that she decided to go to Bible college. She's now serving as an intern in a church in another city. See, for me, it's been an incredible privilege to be a part of that journey. It was a joy each Sunday to see their excitement. Even though it often wasn't seven o'clock yet in the morning. And to share the joy as God began to speak to them and to move in their lives. I discovered what Proverbs 11 said was true. My life was enriched and grew larger as I connected with them, the amazing young people that they were. My world grew. They opened their lives to me and they welcomed me in. See, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 to 8 says this. Here's my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest. But the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves hilarious generosity. Yes, God is more ready, uh, more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything, every moment and in every way. He'll make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. What an incredible picture and a promise Paul paints here. See, we serve a generous God whose desire is to overwhelm us with His grace. There's joy in giving. Have you experienced the incredible joy? See, maybe it's responding in obedience today to what God has invited you to sow into miracle offering. Or it's in deciding to seize the opportunity to be generous with your time or your resources this week. What I've discovered in my walk with God is that He's incredibly good and incredibly faithful in all seasons. 
Like the Macedonians, our joy and our generosity is a natural response to the gracious gift in Jesus. That incredible thing that God gave His Son for us. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.